Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. One of the really uh, challenging dynamics of living in community, of living in relationship, is uh, handling conflict well. Has anybody not experienced that? Uh, Most of us don't like conflict, but uh, disagreement is inevitable, isn't it? And uh, how it's handled can make all the difference, how we handle conflict and how we handle disagreement. We're focusing a few more weeks uh, this month in March on healthy, meaningful, God-honoring, spirit-led community with several one another phrases from the Word of God. And we want to be very practical. And when we do life together with the posture of serving one another, which is what was presented last week, And when we do life together with the humility of submitting to one another, which was two weeks ago, and the discipline of praying for and with one another, which was a few weeks ago, then it will become natural to forgive and to seek forgiveness from one another. Amen? When that's our posture and that's our mindset, it will be natural for us just to want to foster healthy, forgiving relationship. Tarina and I have watched for years with sorrow, as a relative made the unwavering decision to never again speak to his mother and to never again speak to his father and to not allow his children to speak to either of them either as long as they're in his care. And I can, I can, I can only imagine what the repercussions of that will be when they're older. Because each of his parents had crossed him in one way or another. They had upset him. They had offended him. They had wronged him. They had hurt him. And I got news. (laughs) That's going to happen to every one of us. And I got other news too, which is that we actually do the same thing to other people too. Sometimes that's not as hard to receive. And while in this relative's life, the offenses may have been genuine, All attempts, even with tears from my precious wife, to convince him to reconcile, to forgive, have been just roundly rejected. All the while professing to be a follower of Christ. John Bevere wrote a book called The Bait of Satan. Some of you are familiar with it. And in that book, he wrote, an offended person will build walls to protect rather than choosing to give. And he gives this great illustration. He says, the Sea of Galilee, so that's a sea in, in Palestine, in Israel. It's a, it's a sea in Israel. The Sea of Galilee, where Jesus did a lot of his ministry, is filled with life and it receives water from the north. And then down below it to the south is the Dead Sea, and it's called the Dead Sea for a reason. Some know it to be called the Salt Sea. Because water goes down into the Dead Sea but there's no place for it to go out. And so there is not life in it, and that's why it's called the Dead Sea. And he says, that is what it's like to live with unforgiveness. I don't know how this subject touches you this morning, 
And, and I do want to acknowledge that while forgiving can at times be easy, sometimes people are wounded very deeply. And forgiveness cannot come easily. And in fact, sometimes forgiveness cannot even come on our own. And I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully remember to tell a, a story about that later. I want to encourage and proclaim this morning that true forgiveness is possible and can be powerful through the example and the supernatural freedom that comes from Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul used the phrase forgiving one another in two of his letters. To the church in Ephesus, he wrote, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other or one another, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And then in Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13, we'll spend a little bit of time this morning. He wrote, So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive. The church is, according to these these verses, the church is God's chosen people, God's holy people. And we sang today about the importance how God's people on this earth are his representation. It's not a call to arrogance. Let's be clear. This is a call to joy. Chosen as those who are in Jesus Christ because he is the chosen one. As a voice from heaven came down, what was called the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus was there with three of his disciples. And there was an incredible visitation of God there. And Jesus was transfigured before them. And a voice came from heaven. And Jesus was called the chosen one. Jesus is also called the Holy One. Peter testified about that in John 6. And evil spirits do the same. They will testify. And they did in Jesus' earthly ministry and said, We know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Mark 1.24, not the only place that happened. Jesus is the unparalleled fulfillment of over 300 prophecies. Jesus is the singular one to have risen from the grave, never to return again. Jesus is the only sinless one, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, chosen to provide a way of forgiveness to a broken humanity. And that is the model and the example that we follow. And so to both the Ephesian and the Colossian churches, Paul also wrote that in Jesus we have redemption, which simply means payment. Through his blood, payment for the forgiveness or payment of the forgiveness of sin. And Paul uses this metaphor, it's the same metaphor that Peter used that we mentioned a few weeks ago, of our character being like clothing, that we would wear, that we would put on, just like those sweet orange t-shirts that we see ministry staff and volunteers wearing. You ever seen those? You just wear it like, that. hey, I know who you are, from that shirt you're wearing, or those, those great blue Four Wilmot shirts, whoever wore any of those when uh, Four Wilmot was taking place. And it's like those that you can be identified, but rather this is about being identified by our character. I can tell there's something about you that you must be 
a follower of Jesus or a Christian. Compassion is about acts of mercy and grace. It's actually literally bowels of compassion. So the word is, is used. Kindness is about giving other people value and how we treat them. Humility is about giving up our own rights. Gentleness is about handling other people with care. And patience is about reacting slowly uh, when we might want to react quickly. These are all characteristics of Jesus, coupled with so many other things like Jesus' justice. Jesus sometimes spoke very firmly with justice. And they're over against, before these verses in Colossians, there were five other words or phrases used. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. But these, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and and then bearing with people, which comes in verse 13. Those are what the Holy Spirit brings through and out of us as he lives in us. N.T. Wright is a theologian and and a commentator who describes bearing with each other as restraining our natural reaction toward odd or difficult people. (laughs) So you've met a couple. I remember sitting in a restaurant years ago with one of the youth leaders when I was a youth pastor. And uh, she always spoke her mind, and uh, sometimes wisely. And, And on that particular occasion... There, there was a fellow who was looking over our way and she said to me, man, he's creepy. He's really weird. And perhaps it was wrong of me to say to her, well, you know what? You're a little bit weird too. <laughs> but I quickly said, and so am I. Because all of us are odd to somebody. All of us are weird to somebody. And so I like this is about restraining our natural reaction toward odd or difficult people. Because most of us can be difficult at some time or other too, can't we? Forgiving comes naturally from these characteristics. Wouldn't the world be a great place if everybody were clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearing? But the difference from the world is that when we are filled with and being constantly filled with the Holy Spirit, that becomes the skin that we're in. Not that it's easy because it's a continual process about allowing Him to fill us and to use us, but that becomes the skin that we're in. That becomes the clothing that we wear. And then peace will rule our lives. Those verses end by saying, like an Olympics with no steroids, like a Tour de France with no doping, like your favorite board game or sporting event with nobody cheating and grace in the face of imperfection, that peace will rule in our hearts and our minds. I like what one author wrote, in his book, Making Peace, actually the full title is Making Peace, A Guide to Overcoming Church Conflict. Isn't that a sweet title? He writes, reconciliation should not be something we know or do, but who we are. A constant pursuit of holiness. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And so it shouldn't be something we just know or do, but but who we are, a constant pursuit 
of holiness. Forgiving and seeking forgiveness for a follower of Jesus reveal an attitude, or a character. Forgiveness and, and, and giving forgiveness reveal holiness, and they reveal freedom. And so on the reverse, an unwillingness to forgive or to seek forgiveness, especially to not forgive, actually both, can reveal bondage to a spirit of pride. Bondage to a spirit of bitterness. Spiritual bondage. There is a heavenly realm that is at us and attacking us and wanting to have victory over us all the time. And there is bondage in that. Is there not? Understanding that people's situations will vary. But when our attitude is about not wanting to surrender forgiveness, we will be bound. In fact, there are people who are ill. It may be physically. It may be mentally. It may be relationally. And it's not always the case. But there are plenty of illnesses that are slowly but surely brought on because of that root of bitterness that gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's just like poison. In fact, as I prayed, I said, Lord, give me, would you give me an illustration about forgiveness and unforgiveness? And what came to me was that they are like bacteria. Uh, bacteria are everywhere. You know, they're, they're microorganisms just like the cells in our bodies, but they have a different structure than, than cells do. They are outside. They are inside. They're all over your house. They're all over the outside. That's how we get sick. And they're in our bodies. And interestingly, I, I read that one scientist found bacteria in a time capsule that had been uncovered and examined a 100 years after it had been buried. There was still bacteria alive in that time capsule. It is resilient. And so if it's good bacteria, that's great, like a lot of the bacteria that's found in our stomachs. If it's bad bacteria, like the bacteria that cause pneumonia, then it will destroy and it will kill. And that is just like unforgiveness and bitterness. But good bacteria, like forgiving and having that posture and that attitude, is life-giving. Praise the name of Jesus. You can't see them. You don't know that they're around. You can't always see the effect of them. But they're everywhere. Sometimes forgiveness is straightforward. I'm sorry I said that. Will you forgive me? Yeah, no problem. I didn't bother me at all. That's an easy exchange. Sometimes forgiveness is, is less simple when an apology is spurned or ignored. Or when an offender refuses to take responsibility for some actions. Sometimes there's a two-way standoff. You ever been in one of those? Two people or two groups are determined that the other one is to blame or the other one is more to blame. And therefore, because that person is more to blame than I am, I'm going to wait for that one to take the first step. Sometimes offense is taken when it shouldn't be. Sometimes offense is used as a means to control somebody else. I have so often heard that phrase used, you offended me. And I want to make this distinction. I don't know if I've said this before, but I draw a very clear distinction between being offended and choosing to take offense. Because what happens is when we say to somebody, especially if somebody 
had no idea that they did anything wrong. And somebody might say to them, you know, the way you said that, the tone of your voice, or the tone of that email, that offended me. And the person could be absolutely taken aback and absolutely meant, meant, meant no harm at all. And in fact, the whole thing was fabricated because that was never the intent. It actually was never the tone. But you offended me. But you know, that's not what happened at all. What happened was that that person chose to take offense at what had been done. And what should have been done was a question should have been asked rather than an accusation made. And so rather it should have been, when you said that to me, what did you mean? Or when you wrote that email to me, can you just kind of unpack that for me a little bit? Is this what you meant by that? Were you trying to say? Because then you can get some clarity. But rather, if, if I assume motive and I say, I know why you did that. I don't know why you wrote that. Now listen, sometimes it's abundantly clear that the motive is bad. But we have to be very careful that we not be taking offense and using it as a weapon. Sometimes apologies are just, or, are just downright insincere. Or sometimes they seem insincere. It's something like, well, if you think I did something wrong, I'm sorry. Wow, thanks. Or I'm sorry, but... Sometimes it's very hard not to do that, isn't it? Either because we want to defend ourselves or we want to qualify to somebody. You know, I, I really am sorry, but you, you, know, you also need to know. And sometimes there does need to be a further conversation. But often we need to resist the temptation to use the word but and just say, you know what, I'm going to own my part and I apologize. Sometimes forgiveness is genuinely difficult because the harm has been very, very deep. And it takes time. Sometimes... Forgiveness is very difficult to transact or even impossible to transact because somebody has died. But I want to tell you, and we'll address this yet, that forgiveness can still take place because it's about an attitude of the heart. It is very much about a transaction, but it's also very much for your responsibility and my responsibility. Forgiveness is about an attitude of the heart. I want to offer these four observations about forgiving A little bit of repetition, but not too much. Our forgiving begins and ends with Jesus. Amen? Jesus set the example of how to respond. At the very lowest point in his life, tortured and hung on a cross to die a horrible death, his closest friends, most of them, all of his 12 disciples, had abandoned him. In fact, one of them had given him up. And as he hung on the cross, people hurled insults at him. If you're the Son of God, if you're the King of Israel, come on down from the cross and perform a miracle and prove it, even though he had proved through so much of his life that he truly was the Son of God. What was his response? Father, in incredible agony, nailed to a cross, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In our own strength, forgiveness can be impossible. But it is made possible because of God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Because it's through him that we receive the strength to do all things. Philippians 4.13 Please know if it applies to you. 
that Jesus also makes it possible to forgive ourselves. Because sometimes that is the forgiveness that's standing in the way of freedom. Because we say somehow there's something I did or, or I'm just not good enough. There's no way that God could forgive me. And really what we're also saying is there's no way I can forgive myself. And I, I want to declare today that God makes that possible. We can forgive ourselves so that we can love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And that we can experience in Christ the freedom that he offers us and the grace that is given so freely. Forgiving and seeking forgiveness is a way of believing and thinking and living. It starts with the small things, like at home, good communication, being slow to take offense, not holding grudges, not dwelling on the small things, uh, not ignoring things, but apologizing, offering forgiveness. So much conflict is caused by taking offense too soon, by reading into situations without talking directly with kindness by ascribing motive to other people without confirming it. And yet on the other hand, where a person has been modeled forgiveness in their lives, they'll be much easier, I believe it will be much easier for them to live out forgiveness. But if a person has been modeled unforgiveness, it will become difficult to forgive and recognition of that need can unlock the capacity to forgive and it can break a generational bond. Satan wants us to take offense quickly. He wants us to hold on to it for power and satisfaction. While God's word says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James 1.19 it may be a choice between pride looking weak, a choice between that and choosing humility and spiritual strength and taking spiritual ground with forgiveness. Forgiveness can tear down spiritual strongholds. I believe that. It is powerful. When Jesus hung on the cross being mocked and taunted, it was only in the unseen strength of the Father and the Holy Spirit that he could bear the weakness and be majestic and powerful. Forgiveness is a transaction. One of the great pains in trying to forgive or be forgiven is that the other person might not want to do it. And you might be here this morning struggling maybe even tormented by being in a situation where you would like to or you have offered forgiveness or you have asked for forgiveness, but the other person absolutely will not. Complete forgiveness, two-way forgiveness, is a transaction that won't always be completely transacted. But I want to say again, I believe with all my heart that when we have an attitude of forgiveness... When we ask to be forgiven and it's genuine from our heart and the answer is no, I'm not going to forgive you. That's on them. It's not on you. And if you have asked for it and you know in your heart that it's genuine and there's, there's true remorse and the answer wasn't given just because you were, you know, maybe just because you were found out, but there's genuine remorse. God forgives. And there's no longer that barrier in your relationship. When we ask God for forgiveness for sins or things that we have done, please understand, we don't need to keep going to God to ask for salvation forgiveness. 
But when we do go back and we ask for forgiveness, it's because the relationship has been affected. And that needs to be, that wall needs to come down so that we can walk in victory and we can walk in blessing when there's nothing standing between us and God and between us and other people. Our responsibility is for ourselves. Jesus offers forgiveness through the cross to everyone. Everyone who believes, who receives, who follows, who says yes. And if you're here today and you've never done that, and you've never asked Jesus for that forgiveness, I pray you would. I pray this would be the day. If there's somebody that you know who's close, or somebody that you know who needs to hear that, I pray that as you listen to the sweet voice of the Spirit, that you will know the timing when you can present that opportunity to somebody to experience that freedom in Christ. Because it can happen anywhere, anytime. Forgiveness is often a process. So there are times when people, when the offer is refused one way or the other, when it takes time for the bitterness to be broken, for the poison, for there to be that antidote that is applied to the poison. Sometimes it takes a lot of time. And sometimes if you have been deeply, deeply wounded, it's about continuing to surrender that to the Lord. And eventually, He will bring that healing. And let me say finally that forgiving is not an option. And that might sound a little bit harsh or a little bit hard, but let me offer you these words from the mouth of Jesus. We'll go to Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 6. Um, sorry, just give me a moment. But in Matthew chapter 6, what's very familiar in Matthew chapter 6 is the Lord's Prayer uh, that so many people know by heart. Uh, but what's often not realized is that when Jesus comes to the end of the Lord's Prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, then he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That is kind of harsh, isn't it? He said, did Jesus really say that? Well, he did. They're red. Those letters are red in my Bible. So he must have. And I would suggest that what Jesus is saying there is that when we have the attitude of the Holy Spirit within us, this will be an evidence that we are his children. That when the opportunity or the need comes that we need to forgive somebody because he is resident and active in our lives, we will forgive. And sometimes, as I say, it's a process. There's a difference between saying, there's no way that I will ever forgive. There's a difference between that and saying, it's so hard for me to do that. Lord, the only way I can is in your strength. There's a huge difference in that attitude where Jesus will enable us to forgive. Let me also, uh, from Matthew chapter 18, just some very, very important verses about what we do, what we're to do when we're offended. Matthew 18 from verse 15. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus said, if your brother or sister sins, if you have something against your brother and sister, go and point out their fault. And do it in kindness and in love. Go to them. Talk to them 
not about them. Go to them. Point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you've won them over. And then Jesus goes on to say, if they won't listen, and you know that there's been a very serious offense, this is about sin. This isn't just about, hey, you cut me off on the road. This is about sin. If they say, no, I'm not going to listen, then bring one or two others along so that the matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse, then tell it to the church. I would say tell it to the elders. And if they refuse then to listen to the church, well then, you treat them, um, he says, as a pagan and as, as a tax collector. This is as a believer who says, I refuse to admit my sin. And we have to let them go, is essentially what Jesus is saying. The starting point of this is that when we have some sense of offense, what we need to do is we need to go to our brothers and sisters and say, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Uh, this is what happened. This is, this is how I felt. Uh, this is how I understood things happened. Can we please talk this through? Can we please talk about it? Not talking to somebody else so that they hear or just going and talking to somebody else and chirping and chewing about what somebody else did. Amen? What a difference in the life of the church. Praise the Lord. When we have those kinds of short accounts in our lives, it's, a, it's like not getting into deep debt. Let me tell you this amazing story about a young woman told by Jim Simbola in one of his books. I believe it was his book, Fresh Faith. He wrote, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, Fresh Faith, Fresh Power. This was a young woman who, when she was eight years old, I believe it was, she would watch how her father, this was in New York, how her father, whenever he would get angry, he would physically beat her mother. And she could hardly, she could hardly stand it. She couldn't, she couldn't take it. And after years of seeing this happen, she knew that when he would take his mother into the bedroom, that she would be abused. And so finally one day, I, she didn't know what it was that, that caused her to do it, but finally she, she shouted at her father, Stop! Take me instead! And what happened after that was for years and years, he would take her into the bedroom and he would sexually abuse his daughter. I can't begin to imagine. Years later, when she was broken, addicted, just completely destroyed, had been through multiple boyfriends, had been through multiple drugs, and her life was just absolutely upside down. And you, you can't be surprised. But she came in and she spoke to Pastor Jim Simbola, who's an incredible man of God, an incredible man of prayer. And she told her story to him. And over a period of time, uh, I, I won't detail it, but, but here was the long and the short of it. To tell you this bittersweet story, her life got completely transformed and changed by the love of Christ. And she became a leader in that church because of the powerful transformation that comes, just as what Adam read today from Isaiah 61. That Jesus has come to bind up the broken, to heal the brokenhearted. He has come to set the captive free. But here's the bittersweet part of what happened. 
she said to, to, to her pastor, she said, you know, I, I, I really feel convicted by God. I need to go and I need to talk to my dad. And I need to forgive him. Now, once again, understand that she was not doing this to control her father. Because sometimes people will say, you know, I forgive you as a weapon. Say, so I, I didn't even know I did anything wrong. But clearly her father did. And never had her father apologize. And so she called him up and she went and she had dinner with him uh, at his place. She had supper with, 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 her, with her folks. And at the end of the meal, she turned to her father and she said, You know, Pop, when I was young, you did some, some pretty awful things to me. And of course, he was, I shouldn't say of course, but unfortunately, because he was so embarrassed, he said, Oh, well, you never mind that. That was a long time ago. Don't worry about that. And she said, you know, Pop, I just want you to know, I forgive you. And he had no idea how to handle that. You know what I wanted to read after I saw that was I wanted to read, I wanted to read him breaking down in tears and saying, I am so, so sorry. I am so, so sorry. And even with all of the travesty and the unbelievable things that he had done, there could have been a transaction of forgiveness. But his heart was so hard that he didn't want to address it. And he didn't know what to say. And he said, never mind, just, just forget about it. But I've got to tell you, she walked away from that place bittersweet, sad because of how he responded, but completely free in Jesus Christ because she had truly forgiven. She had done all that she could. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, I cannot begin to imagine, and I would never pretend to say, I know what you're going through if I've never been through it. But that is the, one of the most powerful examples of forgiveness that I have ever read. Trina and I, when we read that story together uh, one evening, we were both just weeping because of the power of that, of that true reality and that true story. Forgiving might not mean forgetting. And trust may need to be re-earned. And trust may never be re-earned, especially if forgiveness is not sought. But God gives us a divine capacity to do something that we cannot do on our own. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. So how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Amen. Romans 5.10 When forgiveness is a mutual lifestyle, forgiving and asking forgiveness breathes life into community relationships. And you may be in a position to exercise that ministry of reconciliation by helping somebody else that you know is struggling with unforgiveness or needs to be asking forgiveness from someone else. Maybe God wants you to be standing as the bridge or standing in that gap. I recently was convicted about the need to experience forgiveness of both myself and a family member who had passed away that I can't talk to. But in tears, talking to somebody who was walking me through it, I can tell you that when I did, I experienced a freedom that enabled me to view myself differently and enabled me that when I think of that person, I no longer think the way that I used to. It's only a miracle from God. Because whenever that person would come to my mind, the thoughts would be negative. And I can't do that anymore. And I say, thank you, Lord. I say, praise you, Lord. I experienced a freedom 
that enabled me to view both myself and that person in a way that is just like breathing fresh air and being filled with good and healthy bacteria in my spiritual life. Let's pray together as the musicians come forward at this time. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I do know that we all live in broken vessels. We all live in broken bodies. We all have imperfect minds. And we all have had experiences when we have been hurt and experiences when we have hurt. And I want to invite you this morning in whatever way that you would choose. If there's anything that's related to forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others, whether it's forgiving or being forgiven, I want to declare today in the name of Jesus that when we lay those things at the cross, we lay those things at a place of healing. Because it is by Jesus' stripes that we are healed. And that healing comes from the inside out. The spirit, the mind, the body. All that we are, he desires to restore. And he is restoring until their complete and final and perfect restoration in glory when this life is over. But even now, we can live in that victory. We can live in that abundance. We can live in that freedom. And I want to encourage you this morning, as much as I encourage myself, that if there's anything that you need to lay at the altar of forgiveness, that the Holy Spirit, He calls us and He beckons us. That the sweet Savior, who paid that life of forgiveness and can say, I understand. And I hurt with you. I believe Jesus says that to you and to me, even right now. That he says, I know your pain. I experienced it on the cross. I understand your pain. I feel your pain. I walk with you in your pain. And I want you to release that pain to me. Jesus says that. Because Jesus says, his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. And so he says, come to me, all you who are weary and are weighed down with burdens. If there's anything you need to release to him, even if it's just the beginning of a long process, would you do that today? If there's somebody that you need to go to, Jesus said, if you have something against your brother or sister, you go and you speak to them. You talk to them, you reconcile, and then you bring your gift of worship to the altar. If there's anybody you need to do that, if the Holy Spirit is saying, that's the person, you go and you proclaim love to that person in the form of forgiveness, uh, then God give you the strength and the courage to do that and the will to do that. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have made that possible in our lives. I thank you, God, for the experience of forgiveness that, that I have been so blessed to know from you. That, that, that person after person after person in this room has experienced from you. And Lord, may we know that in its fullness so far as we're able. And Lord, would you bring that restoration even at this place. 
Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.